1 John chapter 1 in this video class, we're going to be talking about the most important relationship of our existence, our relationship with God, the work of Christ giving us access to that relationship, and the joy of being able to enter into fellowship with God and walk with Him in truth. That will be the focal point of our study in 1 John chapter 1. And at the core of this, the truth about the person and work of Jesus Christ that John needed to reassert. Jesus is eternal and divine. The apostles proclaimed him, and only through him can we have fellowship with God. This is good news for sinners, and it is written by these words the Holy Spirit gave to John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ, and we are writing these things so that your joy may be complete. Here's where I want to start. The grammatical construction of this opening statement may at first seem to be difficult. Many scholars and commentators have observed that coming out of the Greek into English has resulted in an awkward wording for modern readers. While I see their point, I believe when we read all of John's first epistle, and with knowledge we have gained, from the Gospel of John earlier in the New Testament, any awkward grammar in these verses doesn't need to be an obstacle. Something else I will only touch on briefly in this first class. At various places in 1 John, it may seem like John is reacting to something going on back then, some heresy we may not be too familiar with. Let's not dig into all of that here right now. As we make progress through 1 John, the error John is answering about who Jesus is will be clear. I'm saying, as we begin, let's not get bogged down in real or perceived difficulties about thematic content or about the awkward grammar of the opening verses. I did something the other day. I read chapter 1 of 1 John, and as I read made a list of the profound practical messages set out in 1 John chapter 1. And I took that list and wrote that in more of a narrative form. And so here's what I had. Jesus was really here in a human body. He was a flesh and blood person. Jesus can be called eternal life. So he who is eternal life perfectly died 
so we could have eternal life. He is what he gives. This was proclaimed and should continue to be proclaimed. It is about fellowship with God that results in joy. God, who is light, we are able to have fellowship with through Jesus Christ. Fellowship with God means walking in the light. The blood of Jesus cleanses us. The reality of sin should take us to that blood, but there is the necessity of honest and penitent confession and the reality then of forgiveness from God. That's just in chapter 1. And those are 10 very clear and associated points at the beginning of this letter. Even if the grammar in the opening verses seems awkward, even if we've not been digging deeply the last few minutes into the primary thematic content, that's how the letter opens. It isn't just a debate with opponents. This letter is as practical and relevant as any other part of the New Testament. So having said all of that, I want us to listen again. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, and we are writing these things so that your joy may be complete. This opening statement in 1 John 1, 1 1-4 is sometimes called the prologue of the first epistle of John. In Greek and Latin literature style, the prologue is literally a word before. It is what you say up front that conveys the character and theme and tone of what follows. We may use the term introduction or preface or forward. In Greek prologues, it was customary to not give the name of the writer, let the writer be secondary. In a classic prologue, you write something brief in the beginning that conveys the character and tone of what follows and may also imply the theme. It might be called a synopsis. This prologue conveys the character and tone of what follows, which is the person and work of Jesus Christ that enables sinners to be forgiven and come into fellowship with God. Now, let's be honest here. What makes this passage difficult for us is the length of the sentence structure and its complexity. So here's what I mean. In the New King James, one sentence from verse 1 down through verse 3, which may remind us of Ephesians 1. In the American Standard Version, published in 1901, one long sentence 
the New American Standard Bible, two sentences. In the English Standard Version, one sentence from verse 1 to verse 3. But in the New International Version, four sentences. So the writing and reading standard today leans more toward shorter sentences. So this may be difficult to read at first. This is not a difficulty that keeps us from grasping what John is saying. If we'll take our time and look through it carefully, in the context of everything else John wrote in the Gospel of John and in the first epistle of John. But there is another difficulty about this passage for the modern reader. In a normal, simple sentence in English, we follow a certain order and we seek continuity, subject, verb, object. Warren taught the class. And we want to keep those things close. We go for order and continuity. We prefer sentences that are brief and tight. Here, the writer has placed the object first for emphasis and keeps us waiting for the subject and verb. To make matters worse, for the modern reader, the object consists of a string of parallel relative clauses and is expanded by a parenthesis. So this is not the kind of writing we read every day. So that means, take your time, read it from different translations, read it against the context and background of everything John wrote in the Gospel of John and in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and you'll be able to understand exactly what the writer wanted to convey to his original audience. And, as I said earlier, having read the Gospel of John and reading everything else after this, the difficulties just almost disappear altogether. Start with the main verb and subject line. It doesn't appear until verse 3, and it is, we proclaim, or in the New King James, we declare. John and his colleagues, I believe the other apostles, declared something, proclaimed something. We discover in the surrounding words and phrases what they declared. They declared the truth about who Jesus Christ is and the blessing he brought to us being able to enter into fellowship with God. I think one of the best English translations in the rendering of this passage in 1 John 1, 1 to 4, is the New International Version. The New International Version, where it reads this way, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. So, 
do you see that in the NIV, five separate sentences, and that helps me get the main idea. It breaks it down into a simpler format for me. John and the apostles were with Jesus, saw him, heard him, touched him. They were able to proclaim him in terms of fellowship with God and eternal life. They were able to enjoy and proclaim to others fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. And that was John's joy and can be our joy as we walk in the light of God's truth and Jesus' blood. Do you see what this is all about? The reality of the incarnation, the possibility of fellowship with God and eternal life because of the Son of God. That's the subject introduced in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. The first two words of 1 John may seem awkward when judged by modern English conventions. That which, in the King James, New King James, NIV, in the New American Standard Bible, what was. Here's what helps me when I study this. The subject of this paragraph is not just the individual, Jesus Christ, but that which concerns him. This includes his eternal existence, his manifestation to witnesses, the incarnation, and the proclamation of this message. These propositions form the opening statement or prologue. If John were writing just about the individual, Jesus Christ, perhaps he would have said, he who. But John is including more in this opening statement, the eternal existence of Christ, his incarnation, and the proclamation of that message. So let's read again. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. What we have here could be studied this way. Three main propositions set forth here. Christ's eternal existence, His incarnation, and the message of fellowship with God. Everything else is built on this foundation. Christ's eternal existence. This is conveyed by John's words, was from the beginning. He existed then. Jesus Christ is that eternal life which was with the Father. Jesus had an existence as deity before creation. We learn that in Colossians 1.17. He is before all things. And this is exactly what John affirmed in the Gospel of John in that prologue, where he said, In the beginning was the Word, 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So, the prologue of the Gospel of John helps us understand, even though the language may be awkward, the prologue of the first epistle of John. The first epistle of John begins with this declaration of Christ's eternal existence. Next, his manifestation to witnesses establishing the incarnation. The life was manifested. In the NIV, the life appeared. This is what we commonly call the incarnation. And I'll tell you again, the clearest definition of incarnation in the New Testament is a statement written in the Gospel of John. Back in John chapter 1, verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Deity became flesh and dwelt among us. We call that the incarnation. In the language of John, here in 1 John chapter 1, verse 2, the life was manifested. Third, this truth about the word of life, when acted upon, brings fellowship with deity to the respondent, the obedient believer. The purpose of the gospel, the reason for the incarnation of deity among us, was not just information, not just reformation, but restoration of our fellowship with deity. The apostles didn't proclaim this message just to inform us, nor just reform us, though both these purposes are realized when we obey the gospel and then walk in the light. The great purpose behind the declaration of this message is fellowship with the Father. There is this cyclical approach John follows. The word of life had eternal existence. He was manifested. He came in the flesh and was witnessed by people like John. John delivered that message. When people hear that message and respond, as instructed by the apostles, they enter into fellowship with God. The noblest and highest relationship you can have is fellowship with God. In order to have a right relationship with God, it is necessary to learn of Christ, the word of life, who he is, what he did, and respond to him who is eternally righteous. Remember, the point of the gospel is not just to inform us and not just to reform us but to enable us to have fellowship with God. Takeaways. I believe there are some very simple truths here, so profound and fundamental to our existence, they require persistent review. Jesus was really here in a human body. We sometimes use the expression, the humanity of Jesus. There is Actually, in this passage, the deity of Jesus. He is equal to God in nature, divine, eternal. But he was sent to the earth and occupied a human body. 
That history is real. We will discover later in 1 John that there were some who denied his humanity, saying Jesus did not come in the flesh. There were some who said it looked like it, but it wasn't real. John says, no, he really did come in the flesh. And here's two reasons this is an important truth. One, since his body was real, his death was real. And two, he was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. The mystery of the Godhead, the incarnation, Jesus being both human and divine, isn't subject to objective or scientific verification. We cannot put this truth on a mathematical algorithm. But there are witnesses. This is history. Miracles recorded in the New Testament. The integrity of Scripture. Luke said we can know the certainty of who Jesus was and what he did and what he ought to mean to us. Number two. The net result of all this truth about Jesus is we can enter into fellowship with God. We can be forgiven of our sin, cleansed by the blood of Christ, and have a real relationship with God. That word fellowship here isn't about having coffee and donuts or visiting with some people. This is relationship with your Creator made possible by Jesus coming in the flesh. Therefore, what we are reading here is worthy of the attention of every human being. Let's proclaim this message. Let's tell this story. Let's be certain as we do that we as individuals walk in the light. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, John said, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Join us next time as we go further into this first epistle of John. Thank you.